So tonight, I want us to go to uh, the um, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. I want to read from verse 18 to 20. If you've been in this house for a long time, uh, you probably know this passage of Scripture by heart, like most of us, because it's been uh, what we... Uh, uh, what we, the, 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 the stand, the, the, the guarding light, so to speak, and what we stand on with the vision of the house. Um, I was privileged to be part of the team that went with Pastor Colin to um, Bogota in 2001 when we uh, took on the, what we call the G12, uh, groups of 12 or government of 12, uh, what we now call in this house, principle of 12 or the model of 12. Um, Matthew uh, 28 from verse 18 to 20 is the supporting scripture that we have. So I want us to read it from verse 18 to verse 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, I'm reading from the New King James Version, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And everybody say, Amen. Yeah, that's in your Bible. If you're looking at your Bible, Amen is actually at the end of that passage, even though, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this is what we call uh, the Great Commission. Also, when you read Mark 16, it says, go and preach the gospel to all creation. I want to submit to you that it is possible for you to preach the gospel to all creation and not make disciples. But it's impossible for you to make disciples without preaching the gospel. And that's the two, that's the major difference between the two uh, uh, last uh, commission that Jesus gave us as recorded by Matthew and as recorded by Mark. Now, why is that very important? That is very important. Uh, and that's the reason why I, you know, I've titled my message this evening, Becoming a Disciple of Rabbi Jesus. You see, I didn't say becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saying the title of this message is Becoming a Disciple of Rabbi Jesus. Now, the Greek, the Greco-Roman thinking and influence on Christianity has gotten a couple of things modeled up. So much so that there are some words in Hebrew that, and that's not intentional, that's not intentional at all. It's just because there are some words in Hebrew and in Greek that we don't really have the corresponding or the equivalent uh, to the original. So, for example, the word love. Love is love in our English language. It's just love. Whereas in Greek, you have diff about seven different types of words for love. In fact, I was doing some research recently, uh, uh, not in Greek, but about some Hebrew words, and I discovered that Hebrew has about 10 words for love. 
In fact, the Hebrew language has a word for the love of a mother for the baby in the womb. An unborn baby. That's a Hebrew word that is just mainly for when a mother is pregnant. The love of that mother for that baby in the womb. Now, we don't have that in English. That's why the former president of America, you know, Mr. Barack Hussein Obama, would say, love is love. You can love anybody you want. According to scriptures, that's not true. In Greek, that's a love I have for my Christian brother. That's a, another word for love that I have for my wife. That's another word I have for my, you know, the love I have for my children and all that. So sometimes our English language does not really capture the meaning of the word. So in Greek, disciple is mathetes, mathetes, which simply means a pupil or a learner. But in Hebrew, it's the word Talmud, Talmud. So if you are in a cell group in this church and you are a disciple, you have a cell leader discipling you, you are a Talmud. You're not just a Mathetes disciple, but you are a Talmud. And your cell group is known in Hebrew as a Talmudim. Talmudim. So Talmud, disciple, comes from the root word Tamid. Please just bear with me for a minute. Because I, uh, somebody said, when the value of a thing is not known, then abuse is inevitable. If you buy a Rolex wristwatch and you give it to your five-year-old, okay, you know, Scott is laughing. Pastor Scott knows exactly what's going to happen to that wristwatch. You know, you buy, you know, something valuable. You, you, you have a, a, you know, a bar of gold and you give it to your three-year-old. Your three-year-old would put it in his mouth. Can I taste it? Is it sweet? Can I eat it? No, then binds it on something. Because that child does not know the value of that. And so can use it for anything. And also, if we're not careful to understand the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, then we're just going to run with what we think it means. So, for example, let's come back to the word love. What does love, what picture do you have in your mind when you read the word love? If you haven't studied 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I mean, all of us will have different opinions and images in our head about what love really means. But when you read Hebrew or Greek, you can attach a particular word to a particular kind of love. You can attach a particular kind of, you know, a, a Talmud. You, you know exactly what it means to be a Talmud. When you go to a rabbi and you apply to that rabbi to say, Rabbi, can I become your Talmud? Can I become your disciple? You know exactly what you are signing up for. So in our Greco-Roman thinking, Western thinking, we have conjured up in our minds what disciple means. In fact, sometimes we think it means mentoring and coaching. No, it doesn't. Now, I, I consider myself a, a mentor of some sort and a coach of some sort. I coach people, life coaching. I, you know, do personal development training for people. So I consider myself a coach, you know, and a mentor in that light. But that is radically different from what a Talmud is. Now, 
The Greek word mathetes means a pupil or a learner. And so when I, send my, when I send my kids to school, I don't expect them to come back with the mannerisms of their school teacher. No, I would rather have them, you know, take on my own mannerisms. I don't send my kids to school to go and learn uh, to be educated and then to start walking and talking and behaving like their class teacher. No, that's not the reason why I send them to school. And that is a pupil, that's a learner. And so the moment my child walks out of that classroom, that child is herself or himself, hasn't taken on, you know, unless, you know, they're mimicking the teacher and, you know, kind of making fun of their teacher, which children, uh, you know, oft, often do. But as a Talmud, as a Talmud, you are supposed to become like your teacher. You are supposed to become like your rabbi. Hence, I said, the title of this message is Becoming the Disciple of Rabbi Jesus. And so in our Western Greco-Roman-influenced education and thinking, we've forgotten that the Lord Jesus Christ was a Jewish rabbi. He was Jewish. No, 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 no. He didn't come out of Hollywood. I'm sorry to disappoint you. He didn't have, a, he didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. No, no, no. He was from the Middle East. The Lord Jesus Christ was a Jewish rabbi, ate Jewish food, spoke like a, like a Jewish person, and conducted his ministry as a Jewish rabbi. So when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, what exactly was he saying? That's why when we go to Bible school, we, ha we have to be taught uh, that, that part of, of training that is called hermeneutics. We learn how to interpret scripture. And they tell us you have to look at the context, you have to look at the grammar, you have to look at the geography, you have to look at the history especially. And so for a while I've been delving into the history of what it means to be a Talmudian. I bought books. I downloaded books on my iPad. What exactly it is to become a disciple of Rabbi Jesus. When you are a disciple, when you are a Talmud, people will pray for you that may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In the Middle East, in the dry desert, disciples are meant to walk so closely with their rabbis that when they walk in the dust, the dust that their feet kick up settles on their, on their, on their followers. And so they, does they pray, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. When a young child starts his Jewish education, you go to the first school, I think it's called Beit Sefer. And the first day you walk into that Beit Sefer, the rabbi or your teacher stands at the door and in his hand he has a, a plate, a slate. And on that slate are written some you know, uh, uh, Old Testament scriptures. And on that slate, you have honey on that slate. And you are told to lick the honey from the slate. And on that slate is also written, the Torah will be my life. So from that young age, there's a picture in your mind that when you study scriptures, it's like licking honey. 
And guess what? They don't start with them in Genesis. You know, the stories that are easy to, uh, to learn, they start them off in Leviticus. When was the last time you read Leviticus? You know, the laws of Moses. Because around the life of the Jewish people, at the center of their life and their training and their worship is the law of Moses. So these young children begin to learn. And in the first six years, they are supposed to learn, you know, the whole of the uh, 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 laws of Moses, the first five books of Moses. And then if they do well, they, they pro proceed to the next school and then to the next school. And after that, they have to go and seek out a rabbi to apply to that rabbi and say, Rabbi, can I come into your rabbinical school? Can, you, can I be your Talmud? I want to be part of your Talmudim, your school of disciples. And the rabbi would test them. And the rabbi would say to them, uh, uh, can you carry my yoke? Can you carry my yoke? Can you bear my burden? You remember Jesus Christ saying, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Why was it? I thought the, the, the anointing would break the yoke. Why is Jesus Christ talking about yoke? Because the yoke of a rabbi are his teachings. His burden are his doctrines. And so the, when the rabbi says, can you carry my yoke? Can you bear my burden? He's saying to you, are you able to know what I know? Are you able to teach what I know? Are you able to follow me? And the rabbi will test the student, will ask them questions. And you as, a as, a, as, a, as somebody applying to be a Talmud, you would answer back with questions. And we go back and forth, back and forth. And if the rabbi thinks that you are qualified, that you've made the court, the rabbi, the rabbi will say to you, look, I cry. Come, follow me. But if you didn't make the court, the rabbi will say to you, don't worry, my son. Don't worry, my daughter. Go back home, you know, get married, have babies, and go back to your family trade. That means you didn't make the court. You didn't make the court. But here we are today, Jesus is calling us to come and be his rabbi. In fact, when he called James, Peter, John, and all the Andrews, and, and Bartholomew, and all of them, none of them made the court. Matthew was a tax collector. He didn't make the court. Peter, James, and John were fishing. They didn't make the court. Nathaniel was under a fig tree. He didn't make the court. But yet Jesus said to them, come and follow me. You didn't make the court, but I will make you. Fishers of men. When you follow me, I will make sure that you make the cut. And that's you and I. We are not qualified. We are not qualified. Now let's come back to the word Talmud. Talmud is a combination of four Hebrew letters. Ta, Lamed, Mim, and Dalet. If you take the, the Lamed out, you have Tamid. Tamid is the root word for Talmud. Now, Tamid means a whole burnt offering. A daily whole burnt offering. You see, in the temple days, there are different kinds of offerings and sacrifices. There are some sacrifices that the, the tie belongs to the high priest. And the intense time belongs to the Levites and all that. But as a first offering at nine o'clock in the morning with which you open the sacrifices and that animal has to be completely, totally sacrificed. Everything is laid on the altar and dedicated to God and burnt. 
then the closing sacrifice in the evening is the same thing. So it's a perpetual, daily, constant, burnt offering to God. That's the root word for disciple Talmud. So to make it Talmud, you have to take the Lamed and put it right after the Tal. So you are a Lamed. Lamed, the, 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 the root word for Lamed means to learn, to instruct, or to train. So if you put the words together, Talmud, it means that if you are going to be a disciple of Jesus, if he's asking you to be his disciple, what he's asking you to do is to completely be totally dedicated to him. You lose your life. You die, basically. That's why Paul said, don't you know uh, that you're a living sacrifice? You are a living sacrifice. Whenever you hear the word sacrifice, it means that something has to die. Something has to die. It's an opportunity cost. You've made a sacrifice to be here this evening, which means that something, you could be watching the Olympics now. That's why it's a sacrifice. You could be in your bed. You could be in a restaurant having a pint or pub having a pint or something. But you've chosen to be here and that's a sacrifice. You've sacrificed something for you to be here. So when we talk about sacrifice in the Bible, something has to die. Something dies. So when Paul says, we are a living sacrifice, he says to us, you are dead to yourself, but you are alive to God. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. But the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and who gave himself for me. So what's my response to that? I die to myself and I live unto him. Can I hear you say amen? amen. That is Talmud. And you can see now that that's totally different from being a pupil or just an ordinary learner or an apprentice. No, it is the, the other part of Talmud is that a disciple wants to be like his rabbi. And this is also very important. Wants to be like his rabbi. Jesus Christ said, it's enough for you as a disciple to be equal to your master, but don't try to be greater than your master. What he's saying is that it must be your aspiration to want to become like your rabbi. There's no better place to give the example than when Peter walked on water. Very crazy story. Bible scholars and, and, uh, and, you know, and theologians were debating it for a long time. Why did Jesus walk on water? He walked on water. There were no demons casted out. He walked on water. There was nobody healed. He walked on water. What was the purpose of walking on water? Was it to show off? Because these guys already know that he's the son of God. Why did he walk on water? But then as we dug into Peter's words, we realized that there was something the Holy Spirit, there was a telos there, an original intention of the Holy Spirit that he wants to teach us if we're going to become disciples of Jesus. You see, when the rabbi says, let a cry, come and follow me, he's saying, I believe in you, you can know what I know, you can teach what I teach, and you are able to do what I'm able to do. That is what qualifies you to be a rabbi, or to be a disciple of a rabbi with authority. Because there are different kinds of rabbis in those days. There are rabbis that are considered to have authority, and there are some rabbis that are considered not to have authority. You remember Jesus Christ was questioned. 
in whose authority are you doing all these miracles? Who gave you the authority to do this? They were asking him, who commissioned you as a rabbi? Who inducted you? Who laid hands on you and commissioned you as a rabbi? That was why Jesus also said to them, well, the baptism of John, is it from God or from man? And they, they, they quietly consulted with each other and they said, well, we don't know. Because they said, if we said it's from God, then Jesus would say, why didn't, why didn't you just, why didn't you obey him? And if he says from man, okay, this crowd, they're going to stone us to death now because they believe John to be a prophet. And Jesus was asking that question because it was John that testified of him as the son of God. So Jesus was not just a Jewish rabbi, he was the son of God. He was God in the flesh. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He was the word that became flesh. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But apart from his divinity, he was also man. He was fully God and fully man. And he's being fully man, he was a Jewish rabbi that had disciples. Can I hear you say amen? And it's he who is calling you and I to follow him so that he can make us Fishers of men. That is the work. I mean, I like um, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, somewhere there in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that we are his workmanship. Prepared to do some work that God commissioned from the beginning of the world. But the message Bible says, it is a work that we had better be doing. This work that God had planned for us. Beforehand, it is work that we had better be doing. And what is this work? The work is making disciples of all nations. Now, I don't know how you feel, but I, I know that sometimes when you talk about discipleship, uh, a lot of people are challenged because if you have an understanding of discipleship, you understand that it's not just about cell meetings one, once in a week. I remember when we went to Bogota and we were asking them, so how do you do yourself? So, oh, what did you do on Monday? I went to cell. Uh, I had a cell. What did you do on Tuesday? I had a cell. Uh, on Wednesday, I had a cell. On Thursday, I had a cell. What? So, no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Okay, we know you guys are really, really passionate about this cell thing. But when is your cell meeting day? Oh, that's what you mean. Oh, it's on Tuesday. So, what did you do on Monday? Cell. How come you do sell on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday? On oh, they said to us, you don't understand. These people are my friends. They're not just my cell members. They are my friends. If I don't call them, they call me. We are a community of people. We are a Talmidim. We're not just individual Talmids. We are Talmudim, we have fellowship, we have community, we are friends, we are family in the kingdom of God. So we don't wait for our cell leaders to call us. I don't stop going to church because the pastor didn't call me. I don't stop attending cell because my cell leader has not called me for three days. If my cell leader does not call me, I call him and say, I call her and say, what's up? You are right. If I didn't see my cell member in church for three weeks, I don't just assume that they've gone on holiday. I pick up the phone and call them. Just take a look at all of us in this hall this evening. Imagine if Pastor Amanda and Pastor Colin has to visit each and every one of us. 
Well, they won't even have time to eat, would they? By the time they get to some of you, they will be stinking. Their mouth will be smelling because they haven't slept, slept, they haven't brushed their teeth, they haven't taken their bath. And that's why it's not, a, that's why Jesus Christ said, go and make disciples of all nations. Just imagine, those of you who are in Pastor Scott's cell or Pastor Amanda's cell or any one of the pastors in this church, their cells. When are they coming to preach to your CEO in your office or your colleagues in your office? Who is going to do the preaching to them? Who is going to win them to Christ? Who is going to be Jesus Christ, uh, a mouth and leg and arms in that office? It's got to be you. It's got to be you. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11 downwards, that Jesus gave some to be apostles, to be prophets, to be teachers, to be pastors, and to be evangelists. And their primary responsibility, they are, they are, they are, they are, what is it called now? Um, what is that thing you give to people when you employ them? Contract. Our contract is to equip the saints of Jesus Christ for the work of ministry. That's what we are supposed to focus on. We see that in, in Acts of Apostles. Some people are complaining, oh, you know, they don't serve our, our widows food. Our children are starving. You know, all these Jewish Judaizers, you know, they are not giving our widows and children food. And then they went and reported to Peter and the apostles. And Peter came out and said, oh, hold on, guys. Hold on, everybody. Please hold on. It is not good for us to leave the ministry of prayer and of the word and serve tables. No, no, you guys, you're qualified enough, you're matured enough. Choose seven people among you. And that was where we got the Dickens from. Because the ministry that we call the fivefold ministry is primarily given to the church to equip the people of God in order to do the work of Jesus. Can I hear you say amen? And you might be looking at yourself and saying, how can I do the work of Jesus? I haven't been to Bible school. This church is a Bible school. I dare you. No, 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 no. I doubly, triple, quadruple dare you to go and call somebody, one of your friends in another church and sit them down and say, let's have a Bible study. It would amaze you what you carry as a member of this church. I'm challenging you to go and try it. Start with some of those churches that all they do on Sunday is entertainment and jumping up and down. Hey, hey, hey. I don't have anything against it as long as there's substance. As long as substance. But I want to challenge you. Really, please, by the message of God, I'm challenging you as a member of this house to go out there and call a friend who goes to another church and sit them down and say, let's do some Bible studies. Especially if you are a cell member, if you are, if you are a regular attender on Sunday, you're a regular attender in a cell meeting, you've been on an encounter. In fact, we discovered that if you go on a weekend encounter, as a new believer, when you come back, your spiritual life is equivalent to somebody who has been in church for three years, Sunday, Sunday person, by going on a weekend encounter with us. So please, I, I know what, I've been in this church now, I've been a son of this house for 20 years, I know what I'm talking about. I've been a pastor out there for 14 years, I know what I'm talking about. You think you don't have anything. You have a lot. You think you don't, you don't have an anointing. You haven't tested it out. 
When was the last time you rose up and tried to lay hands on somebody and say, start with yourself. Don't stop giving these terrible testimonies. Oh, praise the Lord, I have a testimony. And what's your testimony? Oh, you know, yesterday I had this terrible headache, you know, and then the Holy Spirit said to me, why don't you take paracetamol? And then I, take, I, took, para <laughs> I took paracetamol, and then I lay hands on myself and bam, it. praise the Lord. <laughs> no, no. I don't mind you taking paracetamol. I do take paracetamol. I do take paracetamol. But I'm talking about, you know, I was in the elevator last week, Monday. And then my managing director walks in. And then as soon as he walks in or she walks in, say, oh, what's happening here? And I said to the managing director, that's the Holy Spirit all over you. You've just come in contact with the child of God. So well, well, what do you mean? You lay hands on him, he falls down or she falls down. And then you begin to prophesy and say, well, you know, you know, the Holy Spirit is asking me to tell you that this and this and this and this and this is what is happening in your life, you know, and this is what you need to do and all that. And you're saying to me, is that really possible? Yes, because Jesus said so. Not because I said so. Because Jesus said so. But for you to get to that point where you are able to do that, you have to be equipped. He gave some to be pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And so how do you get equipped? Become a Talmudim, a Talmud. So before you leave here today, there's a room back there. We call it the welcome room. Maybe you love this church. You love calling Dai and Amanda Dai. You know, there's a Zoom room also. You've been coming, but you haven't been part of the groups, the small groups in this church. Let your first step of obedience to becoming a disciple of Jesus be that you pick up the courage to walk back there and say, I want to join a cell group. Maybe you're already in a cell group. Then let your first step of obedience this week be to go to your cell leader and tell your cell leader, I want to be trained to become a leader myself. I want to go to the living free. I want to do the school of leaders. I want to be trained to be a leader because the vision in this house is about training you from being a disciple to becoming a leader. Can I hear you say amen? amen. Because Jesus wants us to be that. All of us cannot be in the full-time vocational ministry, the fivefold, but all of us are called to be ministers of the gospel. He gave some to be apostles, to be prophets, to be teachers, to be pastors, to be evangelists, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. If you are doing the work of ministry, you are a minister, according to the Bible. You may not be a bishop or an archbishop or an archpope or a pastor, or a but you are a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you are. You have, and if you are operating as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? Mark 16 says, in my name, in my name you cast out demons. You lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. You drink a deadly thing, it's not going to affect you. If you unknowingly pick up a snake, it's not going to bite you. You know, because there are some people that go out there, you know, I've seen them in America on YouTube. They go pick up snakes. <laughs> And some of them get beaten. But that's what Jesus is saying to you and I. That's who you are. 
if you have genuinely given your life to Christ, don't say, I don't think I'm qualified. You are qualified. How do you know you are qualified? Jesus qualified you. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. If you are a child of God, you have access to everything Jesus has access to. Otherwise, you cannot make disciples of all nations. And if Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, and we are, it's impossible for us to do it, then he, ha he lied. And we all know that Jesus cannot lie. And so I'm pleading with you this evening. I'm begging you by the mercies of God that this week, rise up, not just to be a mathetist, but to be a true Talmud. To be a true Talmud. I was telling you the story of Peter and Jesus walking on water. Let me finish with that. And so they were on the boat and storm came and they were bailing water out of the boat and they were scared. It was the middle of the night. And they were all fishermen. They knew what to do in a storm. But then this storm, they don't know what's happening. And then to make matters worse, they saw somebody walking towards them on water. And they, they just threw up their arms in, you know. They gave, they gave, no, no, it's a ghost. As if the storm is not enough. Now a ghost is coming to nail the coffin. And then Jesus speaks to them and said, no, 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 don't be afraid, it is me. And then Peter, Peter said, Lord is that you? And the Lord Jesus Christ said, yes, it's me, Peter. Then Peter says, Lord, if it's truly you, then ask me to come to you on the water. Excuse me? Are you crazy, Mr. Peter? Right now, just a couple of minutes ago, you were shaking in your boots. And now you want to come out of the boat and walk on water. What is, what is wrong with you? But there was a reason why Peter said, Lord, if it is you. He didn't say, can I come? Oh, I'd love to come. No, no, no. He said, Lord, if it is you, then ask me to come to you on the water. Why did he say that? Because Peter understands that he's a Talmud of his rabbi Jesus. And that he knows that if that's my rabbi walking on water, then what my rabbi can do, I can do also. Whatever my rabbi says I can do, I can do. Whatever he says I can know, I can know. Whatever he says I can teach, I can teach. And so when Jesus said, come, Peter came out of the boat and began to walk on water. Of course, we know that he looked at the storm and he panicked and began to sing. But yet Jesus Christ is lifted him up. So my message to you this evening is that I've come to encourage you to truly become a disciple of the rabbi Jesus. It's a decision you have to take. He's not going to force it on you. Is it going to be easy? No. No, you just have to be a leader. No. Are your members likely to gossip about you? Yes. Uh, sometimes are you going to be in your cell meeting and nobody shows up? Oh, Yes. Uh, will you agree with people that you are going to go on an encounter and at the end of the day, everybody has an excuse? Yes. Sometimes will you be disappointed? Yes. But all of those things, they do not measure up to the fact, the joy of seeing people starting yesterday as new believers in your cell and 
three years, two years down the road, they become leaders themselves. It gives you great pleasure. Not just you. It also gives great pleasure to the master. You know, I don't know about you, I love miracles about people buying properties and getting married and buying their car and starting their businesses and, you know, just breaking through in life. Breaking through in life. I love those things. But you know that all those things don't bring joy in heaven. It doesn't bring joy in heaven. The angels are not rejoicing in heaven because you just bought your 10th property. Or you've just made your 10 million pounds. But the Bible says for one soul, for one soul that comes back to Jesus, the father says, angels, bring out the drums. Let's have a party. Because that my son was dead, but now he's alive. That my daughter was lost, but now he's found. And what, is, what did Jesus come to do? He came to reconcile us back to God. And now he gives us a commission to go and make disciples of all nations. 